We begin Brittany's story at the quintessential start of motherhood, birth. Brittany and her husband, they're at a birth center, a facility that offers a more home-like setting for labor. Think of it as delivering in a cozy living room versus a hospital. Brittany spent months planning this moment, choosing the birth center for its hope of a calm and gentle introduction into motherhood. And now motherhood is here. She's holding her son, Arthur, who she just delivered unmedicated. You know, people talk about, oh, and your body releases all these hormones and you just feel this flood of warmth and joy. And it's just so incredible. And I would say incredible and wondrous and like raw. And at the same time, damn, that was hard. And I'm really tired. (laughs) And oh my God, what I felt was a flood of anxiety first and foremost. Arthur was three weeks early, came out sunny side up and had a huge bruise on his head. And immediately they were saying he was almost certainly jaundiced and would need to be taken in to a doctor. And so it, it felt like right from the get-go, there were just a peppering of concerns and tasks and things and called a pediatrician. And my mom was supposed to be there. She couldn't change her flights. And so I was thinking like, oh my God, who's going to help me? Brittany described this moment as shocking because nothing was going according to plan. And Brittany is not used to things not going according to plan. She is a woman who's got it together, a doer, a planner, a fixer, someone who likes to be in control. And before becoming a mom, these qualities brought her a lot of success. She earned her MBA in one year instead of two at one of the top universities in the world. A glance at her LinkedIn page shows that she quickly climbed to the role of director at a leading technology company. She is a high performer. In weird ways, you know, not just in school, but like if I'm going to make a dinner for someone, then there's a huge amount of pressure to make like the best dinner. (laughs) You know, it just it spins for me really quickly like that. And that's a really exhausting way to live your life. Exhausting because it contributed to anxiety, things like obsessive thinking and panic attacks. But despite this trait of putting pressure on herself, Brittany had pretty reasonable expectations going into motherhood. I expected to be really tired. I expected to be emotionally and physically tired and sleep deprived and it was going to be really hard. But like in all of that, I would feel somehow joyful above it all and in this feeling that every day you would be excited to get up because this Mm. beautiful little bundle of joy was ready to greet you for the day. (laughs) That is not. (laughs) That is not what happened. It's not. Because that shock that Brittany feels at her birth only escalates as she further transitions into motherhood and faces more things not going according to plan including one big problem that she can't fix and can't escape, one that prevents her from performing as the mother she wants to be. This is actually what happens. I've made a huge mistake and my baby hates me and I don't, I don't know what to do. I feel like I've ruined my life and his in a terrible sense. I'm Amy Vickner and this is The Birth of a Mother. Although Brittany doesn't hit that big problem until 10 days into motherhood, we pick our story back up at the birth center where Brittany just delivered Arthur. 
The external chaos has calmed a bit. The tests have subsided. But that flood of anxiety is still there. Because Brittany is checking in with herself. And she's not feeling the shift. You see, in Brittany's mind, when you become a mother, everything inside of you should shift. Because motherhood is something that is supposed to come very naturally, right? Or mothering. Well, now I, sh- I will feel like a mother. Capital M, mother. Here I am. And I was anxious to feel those things. It's confirmation that we're going to be good. And I just didn't feel that internal shift in that moment. And then, of course, as a person who has struggled with a lot of anxiety and like a type A Mm -hmm. individual who likes to be in control and Mm. to plan immediate spins of guilt about not feeling that way. I, you know, do I feel the big flood of love? And Mm. oh, my God, if I don't feel the big flood of love, is there something wrong with me? And when does it come? It didn't come by checkout time, which at the birth center is just a few hours later. In her planning, Brittany's mom would be there to drive them home and help. But now they were scrambling for plan B. Three hours after she delivered a baby, Brittany is exhausted, anxious about the jaundice, missing that capital M mother feeling and missing her actual mother. But her and Martin pack up and she straps Arthur into a car seat. And I walked outside and I was like, oh my God, I'm ordering an Uber. (laughs) Like, that's just, okay, like we gotta do this, we're doing it. And... I remember at some point Arthur had like spit up in his car seat on the way home and I had him pull over and I was triaging that situation and scared that he might choke on something and just worried. Just, oh God, the whole day, just worried. The next few days at home repeated the same pattern of unplanned external chaos and internal anxieties just ping-ponging off each other. Every morning for five days after she had Arthur, Brittany would get him dressed put him in a car seat, Uber over to a pediatrician's office. Who would stick his heel and he would scream at us. And then we would get a phone call an hour later saying, it's worse than it was the day before, but it's not bad enough to be admitted. I, as a person who sat there for days, just in worry, it was pretty miserable. In this misery, Brittany turned to what had always worked before, fixing the problem herself. She gets online and rents a Billy blanket. So let me explain this. If your baby is jaundiced, a hospital will likely use light therapy to treat it, meaning they'll put the baby under a special lamp. So Brittany and Martin thought, perfect, we'll get this weird light-up swaddle thing, we'll pop a minute, it'll treat his jaundice, great. No, it's really like a an ironing board with lights. You can't wrap them in it. You have to strip them naked, kind of like tie them somehow onto the board. And then you have to have the goggles on so they don't like sear their eyeballs. I'm imagining like kind of like little tanning bed glasses. Yeah, exactly that. Which you can imagine they aren't especially thrilled about. So here I am like learning to breastfeed a newborn propped on an ironing board and trying to keep little goggles on his face. Brittany laughs now, but at the time she was deeply worried and uncertain. She says despite all her experience with children, including being a nanny for a newborn, she didn't feel confident at all. She wished there was someone there to tell her what to do. And this worry kept her up at night because... You gotta make sure that baby's breathing, Mm -hmm. right? I have to keep him breathing with my eyes, (laughs) right? 
And as anyone with anxiety will tell you, lack of sleep is going to make your anxiety symptoms spin. Brittany starts to have what many moms experience, intrusive thoughts, things like someone dropping Arthur, of Arthur not breathing. It's very common and normal, but also frightening. Now remember, Brittany is no stranger to intense anxiety symptoms. In fact, before becoming a mom, she put a huge effort into therapy to learn coping skills. And so it's here, in this moment, that you hope all of that hard work pays off. But those skills we learn before parenthood can sometimes feel so futile because you've never used them for this level of worry, where the stakes are so much higher. And you've never practiced the tools in these conditions. Sleep deprivation, healing from birth, health concerns for you or your baby. And it's not just that it's hard. In some cases, it's truly impossible. If you exercise to manage your anxiety, something many moms do, that's just not possible in the first six weeks. Your body will not heal from birth if you exercise. So what was Brittany to do? I asked her if she shared her intrusive thoughts with anyone and if that helped. I mentioned it to Martin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I still think Martin struggles to really understand what is anxiety. He is a person that is calmly rooted in what is likely to happen and what is the math behind the risk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so when I would say something like, I have this horrible vision of someone dropping Arthur and like his head splitting open on the Mm -hmm. kitchen floor you know, get this look of, oh my God, but we hold him really carefully. Like that would never happen. And it's, he's, it's a conversation that we're always working on. Mm. Like, I don't need you to tell me it's not likely. Mm. It's more just, that's a really terrible thought. And is there anything I can do to make you feel better? Finally, Brittany caught a break. A few days later, Arthur's jaundice was bad enough to land them in the NICU. And surprisingly, it was here that Brittany finally found what she needed to feel better. He was hooked up to all of the wires. I had the best sleep that I'd had yet, uh, like curled up on the plastic chair in his room. Wow. Because I didn't have to worry if he was breathing because there's somebody else to do that. (laughs) There's the monitors. Yeah, that makes sense. So that was great. I had this lovely nurse who I believe her name was Candace. Mm -hmm. She was just truly, it was like a cartoon. She came in and like... I'm Candy and I'm your NICU nurse. And oh my goodness, I've never seen a baby this cute before. You know, and it was exactly what I needed. Brittany caught up on some sleep. Arthur's jaundice was treated and they headed home with some relief. But it turns out this was just a hill on a much bigger mountain to climb. It's now day 10. I would say constant crying what felt like constant crying I'm crying he's crying Mm. everyone's crying I had never seen a baby cry like that before and then it was confirmed right my mom came out and she was like have you talked to his pediatrician and then I'm taking videos of him crying for the pediatrician and begging her for something else to do he cries like this four five hours a day Arthur had colic. And in case you haven't heard of it, it's frequent and intense crying in a healthy infant. It's brutal. If you've ever been frustrated by a baby's cry, well, imagine that crying right next to you, in your arms, for hours. Now do that day after day. And not just for a few days. Not just for a few weeks. 
do that for months. It's spun in this area of, okay, there's something wrong. Let's fix it, right? And so, okay, go off dairy, go off all these other things. Maybe his tummy's upset. And so we we did all those things. We did the grape water. We did the, you know, we we just lived on a yoga ball. Uh, the only time we, we could get him to settle was if we were just yeah. bouncing. And I don't mean gently, I mean yeah. aggressively bouncing. <laughs> yes. um, and, and nothing seemed to help. And so then we entered the area of, it must be me. And that's where I lived for weeks was, well, if it's not all these other things, then maybe it's me. And when you say it's me, do you mean that you were doing something wrong? Yeah. 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 I must be doing something wrong. I think, you know, we hear a lot about a mother's intuition, right? You hear all these stories where I just knew something was wrong because I'm his mother. And so I did this, this, and this, and I was right. That's sort of like that story that you hear, a mother's intuition. And I was like, oh my God, I don't have any, (laughs) right? Either my baby hates me, which was a real thing that I worried about, or I'm just not a good enough mother. Because if I were a good mother, I would intuitively know Mm-mm. why he was so upset and I would be able to comfort him. For my own mental health, I finally decided, well, with or without the crying, I need to go out into the world. And he would kick up into high gear while I was at a cafe or even just on a walk. Mm-hmm. And you would see people turn around and you could just see it in their eyes <laughs> and maybe it was truly sympathy. But what I saw was you're his mom, make him stop. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't help that the women that I was meeting on maternity leave had babies that just, you know, were challenging in, in sure. plenty of ways, sure. um, didn't cry constantly. And so mm. I, walked around with this heavy guilt of, oh my God, if I gave Arthur to one of these other moms, maybe he would be happier. Not as, you know, in my head, like giving him away, but they must be just better at this than I am. And that was just torturous. I told my husband, like, I'm pretty sure he hates me. And, you know, my husband would, you know, he doesn't hate you. He's just an ornery little dude. Um, <laughs> so it sounds like none of those that. failure feelings came up for your husband in terms of, oh, I'm, I'm the wrong dad. Or oh, I'm, no. No, yeah. No. Yeah. No, Martin's thought was, we're fantastic parents. We mm-hmm. feed and clothe him and we always pick him up when he cries. And that's kind of all there is to do, mm-hmm. right? Ends there. That's it. We're great. It is a dark cruel torture to feel like you're not performing well as a mom. And in that torture, a new mom needs the ability to share those feelings so they don't incubate and spiral. But as she turned to her friends, some of them were pregnant, and she didn't want to risk ruining that hopeful and joyful time for them. Then she had friends who were desperately trying to get pregnant, so she couldn't bear the possibility of coming off as ungrateful since she had a baby. So she carried this burden on her own, when really what she wanted to say, what she needed to say to someone was, I feel truly miserable. And also I've made a huge mistake Mm -hmm. and my baby hates me and I don't, I don't know what to do. 
I feel like I've ruined my life and his in a terrible sense. Brittany was desperate to hear a story that sounded like her own. She went to the only other place she could think of, the place where all new moms gather, who seek connection or answers at those 3 a.m. feedings. The internet. She rummaged through forums, some a decade old, some from other countries. Yeah. Oh, I was looking for stories everywhere. Yeah. Um, what were you looking for in those stories? Help. Yeah. I think also, when will it end? <laughs> Does it end? Has anybody had a child start screaming and just never stop? Mm. Because it feels like that actually might be your reality yeah. when you're in there. And yet, I had received so many messages from women being like, oh, enjoy the newborn bubble. It was my favorite, right? That's what I heard. Oh, my favorite. And I, I just miss those days so much. And so then you're thinking, oh my God, if this is as good as it gets, what happens next? <laughs> right? Yes. right? Oh my God. What happened next is that it became too much. And Brittany started to see parts of herself that she hadn't before. There were things about myself that I struggled with before that became worse. Mm. I'm not a very patient person. Mm. That's a hard thing to be as, <laughs> as a person caring for a newborn. And so there were moments when I look back where I just sort of shudder mm. at, at what you said. Is there a specific memory that's coming up when you're saying that? Yeah. Uh, do I want to share this? Yeah, it's, it's up to you. I would say, you know, there was more than one moment when Arthur was on hour two, three, four, especially in the evenings, where I would sort of lose my temper and say something to this. I mean, just it's difficult for me to say it out loud because like, you know, here's this like innocent child who's obviously uncomfortable. Um, I definitely recall one evening where I, I told Arthur, <laughs> my husband was there, but I was telling Arthur that he was going to be the reason why I wasn't going to have another one. <laughs> Which is like such a hateful thing to say. Um, so yeah, I had, um, when you think of, um, sort of before and after it, I don't think, yeah, I would say it was hoping that I would have managed that a little bit better. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anger can so often hide the more vulnerable emotions we're feeling. Grief, fear, hopelessness. It was a few weeks later when those deeper feelings rose to the surface. There's one moment that I can remember while my mom was visiting. And she had left for the first time. And he started screaming. And he just wouldn't stop. And anybody who's had a colicky baby will tell you that sometimes it's just healthier for you to put the baby down and, mm. and walk away. And I just couldn't do it because the noise was so disturbing to me. Mm. And I remember 
I was just sobbing. I was topless, right? Cause you're breastfeeding yeah. all the time. And yeah. so I was just walking around my house as usual, topless, sobbing, mm-hmm. Arthur screaming in my face. And that was, I just stood there in my bedroom and I don't know how long I stood there, but it was probably an hour maybe. Wow. And my mom came home and just saw me there. Mm-hmm. And I just remember looking at her thinking, you know, I can't do it. Mm. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in my head, I was like, oh my God, you know, and also I have this gift of maternity leave, which a lot of women don't receive. And I, I don't know if I can get to the end of that. Maybe I need to do something else. And I don't know if that was just go back to work early. And, you know, it was... It was just that overwhelming sense that I was failing him in some way. Mm, yeah. um, and there was no light at the end of that tunnel. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, I didn't have anybody else in my circle that had had that experience. And so all I was hearing was, what's wrong with him? Or have you talked to his pediatrician? And have you tried this? And, you know, people wanting to help. But what would have been the most helpful at that time was somebody to just say, you know what? He's going to shriek like this until three months. And then magically, almost overnight, week over week, it's just going to stop. It's just going to stop. Possibly the most frustrating and relieving news for a colic parent is that the colic just stops on its own when the baby is about three months old. Most think it's caused by an immature digestive system that makes the baby uncomfortable and then finally gets to where it needs to be as the baby grows. No matter the reason, Brittany started to see some pockets of light, starting with this moment. Oh, it was gold. I I cried the first time that we got a giggle. We were traveling. We kind of just like, you know... bounced him up and down. I I have a video of it somewhere and he giggled and I just started crying. And my mom was like, what is the matter? You know? And it, it was just this flood of relief of, oh my God, one of these a week just to let me know that he's okay. And he's okay to be here in this life is just, it was just so needed. And I didn't know that was going to be the thing that helped that much. But then when it finally happened, it was like, we're going to be fine. This is still going to suck for a while. But at least I know that like in there somewhere is a happy child waiting to come out. And that happy child did come out. Eventually, the crying wasn't all day. It was just from the afternoon on. And then only from the evening on. And then only right before bed. And he never cries anymore, ever during the day. He wakes up smiling and fusses sometimes. He's not a sleeper. That's like a different thing. But, you know, in those hours where we are with him, he's just a goddamn delight (laughs) all day. And now my husband and I joke, well, if and when we do this again, if we, even my parents are asking, they're like, do you know if you get one like that is the second, like for sure. Cause everybody saw it. And, yeah. and Martin and I are like, honestly, we would be better. You know, it's miserable, yeah. but you know, it's going to end. That feeling of not being a good enough mother, the one that started when Brittany gave birth and didn't feel a capital M shift, the one that escalated through the colic, it finally lifted. 
And what sticks with me when I hear that is it didn't lift because of anything Brittany did. She didn't solve the crying. Her research didn't give her mother's intuition. She just bared it. She just showed up day after torturous day. And she bared it for her kid. And it doesn't matter if it's colic or sleep issues or health issues or the long list of unfixable challenges we face when we become mothers. We've all had to do this. We've had to show up and find a way to endure it, whether we knew what we were doing or not. Here's Brittany explaining how getting to the other side of this unfixable problem changed her. Another change has probably been the ability to let things fray at the edges and let go a little more. Yeah, I still don't like that. That has not changed, but I think... It's more an acceptance that this is the reality that I am living in, at least right now. And it feels worse to try and constantly, Mm. quote, do something about that. You know, I'm a person that sets big goals and generally achieves them. So I'm setting really small goals instead. And that is definitely a change. Brittany headed back to work when Arthur was four months old. And then Martin took his parental leave. She had a lot of mixed feelings about this. A little bit of relief, a little bit of guilt, and some jealousy that she had powered through the colic days alone and her husband's leave was with a much calmer and more interactive baby. But overall, going back to work was the right move for her. These days, when other parents ask her for advice, Brittany shares it with the caveat of, hey, this is what worked for me and my kid, but it may not work for you, and that doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It just means it didn't work for your kid. Another bit of wisdom is about preparing for motherhood. She had planned her labor so thoroughly. Knowing her anxiety, she hired a doula to effectively tell her that what she's feeling is normal and she's doing great on repeat for hours. She says she needed that afterwards, some kind of support system at home that reassured her and helped her build her confidence as a new mom. I had one last question for Brittany. I wanted to know her proudest moment as a mom. And I know Brittany didn't feel a singular moment that she became a mother, but as I listened to her answer, it certainly sounded to me like she had arrived as mother, capital M. Marna and I were eating at this great Jewish deli and we were about to eat breakfast. And it also happened to be when he should be going down and I don't think Martin and I said a word to each other, but I definitely maneuvered and breastfeeding happened and I passed him off to Martin and then Martin left. And I remember the waitress being like, oh, do you need your food to go? And I was like, no, no, he's just going to get him to sleep. And he walked up and down the block a couple times and then came back in and we finished our meal. And I remember the waitress came up afterwards and she said, God, you guys really knew what you were doing. (laughs) And I could have cried. It was like, oh yeah, somehow I like do know what I'm doing. You know, we have difficult moments to be sure, but we learned enough about this little baby to know how to put him to sleep and exactly what he needed. What I'm hearing is you had the intuition. 
Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Or just enough trial and error Uh over what felt like a thousand days to finally get to that moment. But I was like, yeah, you're damn right. Like, I did know what I was doing. That felt really good. And maybe that's all that mother's intuition is. Trial and error over thousands and thousands of days. This episode of The Birth of a Mother was produced by me, Amy Vickner, edited by Emily Shaw, and music and sound design by Lily Sloan. We are always looking for more stories. If you're a new mom, there is someone out there who would benefit from hearing your experience. Head over to thebirthofamother.org and click Share Your Story. If sharing's not your thing, but you want to help the project, the best way to do that is to donate on thebirthofamother.org. No amount is too small. Thank you, and thank you for listening to The Birth of a Mother.